This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. All aboard, America. Today, we are talking with Alicia Lee, who is the Senior Communications Specialist in the Corporate Communications Department at Amtrak. That's right, Amtrak, where she's responsible for social strategy, content creation, and the management of that community. She runs a lean team over at Amtrak, and you're going to hear what she does to get more butts and seats using social media. Take a listen. Welcome, Alicia, to the show. Hi, um, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. And I always like to ask all of my guests before we start to tell us the story of your career. Oh, well, I'm happy to, to share about how I got started and, and where I am now. So I attended the University of Maryland and um, majored in communications with emphasis in public relations, where I learned a lot of great things. Um, and then I um, transitioned into the nonprofit sector, which I really had a big passion for, which I still do personally and not professionally, um, where I learned a lot of great things. And the great thing about um, working in the nonprofit sector is that you um, wear many, many hats and you learn to do a lot of different things. So it's a great way to kind of get in your career, although it doesn't really um, pay awesome. <laughs> it is a great way to kind of learn <laughs> transition. I'm just going to be honest because it is. Yeah, of course. That's what we love. The social (laughs) ladies need to know. Yeah. uh, Being in the Washington, D.C. area, nonprofit is one of the biggest industries. So it's kind of natural to to go into the nonprofit industry. And so I did a lot of uh, different communications functions in the nonprofit sector, which I loved and kind of dating myself a little bit. When I first started, Facebook had just been launched. And at that point, if you want to look in your Facebook history um, books, it was only for college students, and then it kind of opened it up to all students, and then it opened it up to individuals that weren't in college, and then to organizations. And I quickly saw that um, for the nonprofit that I worked at, that it was a good way to reach out to our volunteers and our donors. And so I pitched an idea to the leadership for the nonprofit and said, we should have a Facebook page because it's a good way to um, connect with our donors and volunteers. And they were like, oh, this is great. They loved it. And then they were like, we're afraid. And you're 26. And so, (laughs) and I was like, want, want. Fast forward to now, obviously they have a Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of how I, yeah, uh, how I started out in social. I really saw um, it as a means of communicating with specifically at that time donors and volunteers. And then I had another job in the nonprofit sector and it was more event-based for volunteer services. And I did events and communications and really leaned on um, Twitter to really engage our audience, our volunteers. And so their ages were probably like your mid-20s and early 30s. And so it was a really, really sweet spot to kind of connect with um, our volunteers. And that was primarily through Twitter. And so I really enjoyed and kind of learned how to do that. And then Mm -hmm. um, transitioned to um, working at Georgetown University 
in the School of Nursing and Health Studies where, again, I did communications, but I used um, Twitter and Facebook to engage alumni and prospective students and parents and also um, learned a lot about live tweeting because there's a lot of events on the academic calendar, be it a specific lecture that comes to, you know, speak to students or faculty or, you know, homecoming or that kind of stuff. And I really perfected my live tweeting ability at the uh, Georgetown University. Um, and then I transitioned to Amtrak, where I am now. So even though I have a lot of different experience with social and communications, I was a kind of a, an early adopter and always made sure that social media kind of was in my job description, even though sometimes it wasn't. I kind of would lean on my boss and say, this is, we can do this in a different way and reach a different audience. And so especially, you know, back in the day when it wasn't as normal to have social media as a part of your job, it was kind of like that last line item. And I don't even know what it, it was even called social media back then. It was just kind of... It was like, sort of like and, a luxury, right? Like it was like, oh, you know what it was like? It was like the innovative thing in the corner that like you never had time to do or you had to convince them to try. Right. Like, yeah. you know, like lay, lay an innovation somewhere. So it sounds like you've had a lot of experience in terms of using social as sort of more of a groundbreaking tool, having to convince uh, the people at the organization to use it. That must have changed significantly in your career as social became more of kind of a mainstream, uh, normal communications tool over the past decade, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, so when I, I came to Amtrak, um, a friend of mine told me about the position, and I wasn't looking for a job. Um, she was like, oh, I think you actually would be really good for this job, and I know this is something you're passionate about. And I was like, oh, this never happens to me. I usually look for a job when I needed to look for a job, and this kind of like fell in my lap. And I read the job description, and I was like, I love doing all this already, and I'm kind of fighting battles and trying to get people to really pay attention to using this as a communications channel and a marketing channel. And now there's a position where this is what I do. I was like, sweet. So I came to Amtrak and it's been great. I do a lot of different things. I wear a lot of different hats still. I think that's something I still always have from my nonprofit days where you wear yes. lots of hats, which is very good to do because um, it makes you very versatile. But my main buckets of work tend to be uh, social media and communication strategy, content creation, and then customer service on social. So that's kind of how I break out the different functions that I have. Those are very broad strokes. So that's kind of the way that it, it is a little bit at Amtrak. No, but yeah. that makes sense. The way you separated it, it's like kind of strategy, then it's like the building of the content, and then it's connecting that content with the audience and community management. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And it, it leans on my background specifically, being a communicator. And before I was, you know, thinking about, you know, being a part of the podcast, I was thinking about different people I know on social media. And they tend to come from, in my experience, three different disciplines. So traditional marketers, which I'm, I'm not, journalists that have kind of left, you know, publications, newspapers, magazines, and then communicators like myself. And so although I've, I kind of teeter on journalism and um, traditional communications because I've taken a lot of journalism courses. It was a requirement at the University of Maryland. But those are kind of the three kind of backgrounds that I tend to see when I, when I meet people at conferences or just kind of broadening my, my network and people that work in social. And so the position that I have right now really does lean on doing those, those, those three things. You know, marketing, journalism would be like the content creation and traditional communications that I do here at Amtrak, which I really, really enjoy. I actually love that 
sort of bucketing of how you get to social. I, I think that's really interesting, whether you were a traditional marketer, whether you were a journalist or whether you were like more in communications. That's true. I don't know that I've ever thought of it that way. And I love how you've tied that to your career today. That That's pretty incredible. Uh, so tell me, okay, so at Amtrak, so you're responsible for these three very broad stroke buckets, right? And so yep. in doing that, do you have a team that works with you? How do you get that all done? I would imagine it would be massive. Um, it's a lot of work and we were not allowed to sleep and we're robots. <laughs> um, no, we do have a lean team though. We're not, you know, I look at some organizations that have like multiple people in social and I'm like, that's awesome. That is not us. Unfortunately, um, we're a lean team of three. We do a lot of work. We do all of our content creation in house, which is, oh. as, yeah, <laughs> which is, it's, wow. a lot, but it's, it's great because we know our business. We know trains, we know transportation, we know travel, and Amtrak is not a, I always tell people with Amtrak, if you ask a question about Amtrak, there's a yes, no, but, and if, because it's not, <laughs> things aren't really um, straightforward. And so yeah. having that, con- that content creation in-house is really to the benefit of the company because we know the business and having yep. that content creation outside is probably not going to work as well. It was that way at Amtrak a while ago, but my boss is telling me, uh, we have a, interesting funding structure we have think sometimes the trains aren't running for a variety of reasons weather or whatever and so yeah there's um, lots of talent yep right so bringing that in-house is is really good it is a lot of work content creation is a lot of work but um people that like to write and like or have good topics to write about which we do at amtrak it doesn't seem like really difficult work all the time it just seems like uh it's just a lot so yes, we do have a really lean team, but we do a lot of a lot of great work. We do lean on our contact center to help us with our customer service side. So there's um, a handful of men and women that are not based in our headquarters um, that are experts at customer service, and so they mm. do the majority of the customer service stuff. Oh, so that's good. So you can sleep at night. That that was my big question. Was yeah. like, wow, you're doing the community <laughs> management too? Because I would imagine the community management has to be very customer service heavy, right? Because when people yeah. are frustrated or they don't make their train, they tweet. Yes, they do. Or they're just having a bad day. So sometimes things are running great, but you'll log on and I'll see people are just like just cranky. And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but back to our content creation. So we do all of our, our, our push content um, that comes out of our shop. And also our blog. We have a, a blog where we are able to tell the great stories of Amtrak. Um, the great thing about transportation and travel is there's great stories. Um, people travel for a reason. Um, and so we are able to talk about the great things you can see when you travel by train and also the sto- the crazy stories that happen on the train. Like if you you know met the love of your life on the train or you took that trip to your grandma's house that you haven't taken in a really long time. Um, or just you're going to an event that's really exciting, be it a music festival or, I don't know, going to um, homecoming or whatever. Uh, but also this, the train stories that are, are about the business, so understanding kind of employee stories and, and yeah. what it takes to run America's Railroad. So those kind of things we talk about on the blog, as well as like deals and sales and all that kind of stuff, that more like heavy uh, call to action by a ticket kind of stuff. And so all of that content is also created out of our team and a lot of our social media content rolls up to that blog content, which is, it's fun to kind of see things that I wrote, um, kind of resonate with our customers and then like affect the bottom line because at the end of the day, that's the point. We really want butts and seats and I'm talking about people to get the train. And so seeing the content that you create kind of turn into tickets and kind of see 
how it affects the bottom line is, is really exciting. And then the other part that's also exciting is the analytics part. So um, I, re- I know that uh, Ellie Deutsch, who was on here. Yes. Uh, yeah. So she spoke at a conference I was at one time and she said this thing that kind of resonated with me. And she said um, she hates statistics, but she loves analytics. And yeah. I was like, that is me 100%. Yes. I yes. hate numbers, but I love looking at how content is performing and how we are doing well as a team. And so social media um, really allows, in traditional marketing too, but social media specifically allows you to really see how well your content is producing. And so that's another part of the job where you can see um, how you're moving the needle, which is uh, something that I find really exciting. Okay, so let's talk about that. So when you, you're talking about butts and seats and, and what we do to move the needle, are you held to, in looking at what, what success on social media looks like, is it all about, at the end of the day, the butts and the seats, or is it like a series of weighted goals, engagement, reach, all of these different things, and then ultimately butts and seats? Talk to me about when you're measuring social, what does something good look like? How do we know it's working? So that's a great question. And it's, um, like it's never an easy answer, answer, by the way. Yeah. There's there's no no just like a, yes, yes, you're right. Carrie answer. Um, (laughs) it's really, it's different. So if there's a campaign that's going on, um, so for example, Acela is celebrating its 15th anniversary this year. And so we have a variety of different things that we're doing to celebrate it. Engagement for that initiative is a way that we're going to measure this, this particular campaign. Overall, social media um, engagement is really, really important to us because you want people to interact with the content that we have and interact, meaning like not just like sharing it, but also kind of commenting on it and going back and looking at the blog and reading the blog and getting lost in the blog and getting more content and then buying a ticket. And so Overall, we really do want, bottom line, we want more butts and seats, but getting people to get more engaged in the content that we have and also raising awareness about the stuff that we do at Amtrak is really important. And so when Mm -hmm. we put together plans for specific campaigns, we have a measurement bullet point that says, this is how we're going to measure this goal, uh, measure the goal for this campaign. This is how we can say whether it's successful or not. But that piece of measurement is not something that's the same across the board for every campaign because they have different goals. There's like regional um, demographics and stuff like that for different campaigns. And sometimes it is like for a sale. It is how many people have purchased a ticket for the sale. That's pretty easy. But some of the other ones, um, if we're talking more about an infrastructure campaign, um, it's about awareness and how many stories are going to be published that are really carrying the message that we're trying to get out to people on the Hill or people just in a specific region. And so measurement of campaigns and initiatives is is critical um, to show what success looks like, but you can't say that your measurement is going to be the same across the board. Um, just similarly, if you move over to the social side, how I'm going to measure on Twitter is a little bit different than how I'm going to measure on Instagram. So you can't have the same level of measurement across the board on social or or on other campaigns. So it sounds like it's a campaign by campaign measurement based on the goal of the particular campaign. But at the same time, what I hear was the focus on the blog and kind of using the blog to kind of repurpose the content for social, which then drives traffic back to the site, which then hopefully gets more butts and seats because they're buying them. Have you seen that kind of methodology working for you? Yeah, we can see um, that a piece of content has led to, you know, everything's trackable, right? So we can see how people went and this piece of content turned into a ticket. Our Google Plus 
platform, although, and yes, we are on Google Plus, so people <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Good. That's what I want to hear. On, we're on Google Plus, um, but our Google Plus audience, even though it's smaller than all of our other social media channels, the and there's less people engaging, the, the price point of their ticket is higher. And so being able to look at that analytics is like, well, that's we're going to stay there because they're the audience that's there, they're engaging and they're buying a more expensive ticket, which is still a win for us. That's so, fascinating. That actually links back so well to the Ellie quote that you had, which is right. all about the analytics behind it. It's not just kind of looking at the data. It's, it's looking at what the yeah. data does for you. Right. Wow. To, to look at the analytics, which for people that don't like analytics, it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to like see how great this stuff is, is doing. But it's really important to look at that stuff because if it's not working, then you need to stop doing it. Because right. you only have, for us, there's three human beings working on social and social media strategy for a, co- a company that has 20,000 employees and 500 destinations. And so we really, we can't afford to do stuff that does not work. And so looking at the analytics to see, okay, well, we need to stay on Google Plus because people are purchasing expensive tickets or this campaign. I just did a, I had a, an Instagram contest that fell flat. I, it wasn't great. It was not awesome. We're not doing that again. So it's not gonna, I'm not going to put it into another campaign because it wasn't successful. And kind of looking at the analytics told me that, told me that this is not going to work. Okay, See, I, what I love about this is that the analytics are helping go against things that you might hear as typical, which is like Instagram's the best and Google Plus should be completely ignored. Like it, mm-hmm. it really depends on what works for a specific organization and how you use yeah. the tools. That is really incredible. So tell me what your favorite network for Amtrak is. What's been the most successful network? And I know it probably varies by campaign, but the one that you're the proudest of. And then also your personal favorite network for you to be on personally? I would say for Amtrak, it's twofold. So it probably would be Twitter and Instagram. Um, I would love to say that I run our Instagram 100%, but I do not. My colleague Alex Kogan does, and she's amazing at it. She has a really good visual eye, and we have a very visual product, so it fits for us very well. Um, Me personally with Instagram for the company, it's great because it shows it off, but because of Instagram not being able to kind of track and kind of click and all that kind of turn into dollars, I'm always kind of like, oh, I just wish they would just open it up and it would be amazing and then we could like take of the world. And I know I'm not the only person that believes that, but Correct. for us, it really is a, is a good awareness tool for that kind of top of the funnel thing because um, it's showing people that have never left a Northeast corridor that we can take you through Glacier National Park and it's beautiful and that kind of just awareness building. Um, and then Twitter, just simply because sometimes our customers are hilarious with things that they tweet out. Sometimes they are curmudgeon-y, which I understand if they're, if they're delayed. It's totally within the right. Um, but it's also really good for us to kind of just quickly talk about the stuff that we can do and, and, and inject our kind of funny uh, tone that we have on social. So I personally for the company really do also love um, Twitter as well. It's just, it's just a workforce for us. And then personally, personally, I love Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat. Is Amtrak I, on uh, Snapchat yet, by the way? We are not. And yeah. I've talked about, to the team about it. Um, and I think that in time we will get there. But right now, uh, another social media channel is just like another mouth to feed. Yep. And so it's a lot. <laughs> and again, yep. the analytics side of it, you can't really measure 
um, as much as you can with the other channels. That it is. It's really, it's hard to measure it right now. They'll fix it eventually yeah. because it's growing yeah. so fast and it, it's just, it's definitely, I think it's going to be it for next. I think it's the only one that really is making any kind of play against Facebook at yeah, all. I agree. And I see a lot of brands that are on there that do a really good job. And I just will sit there and look. I'm like, yeah, Taco Bell, you are really funny. This is Taco Bell is really funny, but it's their target too. I don't know that Amtrak right. is yet the right, you know, if it's the right space yeah. yet. But it might be eventually. We have to see. It really all depends, I think, on how if parents of tweens get on there. Like it's very counterintuitive for them. And right now every tween under the sun is on there. But if they get on and they adapt to it, then you're going to see mass adoption, I think. Then then Amtrak's got to be on there. But until then, I don't know about that. But it's it's interesting. So you love it. I love that you love it personally. I do love it. I'm not super, super um, active as far as like me posting on Snapchat because my life is boring. Yeah. Um, but I do love um, seeing other people in different brands. Um, and also, I think it's really great. I'm a big sports fan, and so it's great for events. So I remember last year for the NCAA tournament, they had, you know, snaps from different fans and getting ready for the game and down on the court and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm nowhere near where the, ever the tournament was last year, but I kind of felt like I was like in it. And I thought that was really cool. So I, I really love it for that event-based kind of like see what everybody's kind of doing. Um, so I do think it's going to be great. But I also love I love Instagram. I love pictures. People are funny. I love videos on there. And then Twitter is just like my newspaper. I'm always looking on there and, and tweeting things about what's going on and, and that I see that it's great, you know, with, you know, topical pop culture kind of stuff to news kind of stuff um, to just funny things that I see like Kanye West going crazy last week or earlier. Yeah, it was last week. Um, That kind of stuff. I just really love Twitter for that just kind of community of like, do you see this craziness? Let's share it. It still has the real time, the real time news element I think is, is unbelievable. Like you're getting a lot of that, even though of course the networks are changing every day. It's so different from when we started. If you think about it, like even just from Mm -hmm. the story of the start of your career in the nonprofit space and having to convince someone that a Facebook page is an okay idea. Now it's like really, if you don't have a Facebook page, it's like a whole other story. The analogy that I tell people when there's still people at Amtrak that aren't really understanding of social media when I tell people, you know, in the nineties, I guess, if you didn't have a website, you didn't trust the company. It's like, if you don't have a social media presence, some people don't trust the company because it's kind of like, why wouldn't you want to engage with your audience? And so, yeah. Totally agree. Okay. So Alicia, where should people follow you and where should they follow Amtrak? If there's anywhere that it, obviously the favorite networks, which you mentioned. Yeah. So Amtrak, we're at Amtrak. We're, we're pretty simple. That's where we are on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and then blog.amtrak.com if you want to read all the content that we have about the train and the stories that we have from our customers. And then I am on Twitter. Everything else is kind of locked down because I like to have a personal life as well. Yeah, you should. Um, that's M-I-S-S-A Leaves with an S. Um, and that's where I'm at. Awesome. Alicia, thank you so much for being on the show today. You are one fabulous social lady. Well, thank you very much. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.